Okay, well, get out of here. Go. Anyone can do your job. Hey. Anyone. You, what's your name? Uh, Jason. Sir, I just started here. I'm an intern, but I'm a poli-sci major in college. Okay, well, guess what, Jason? You're running my campaign. Are you serious? Congratulations to Jason, everyone. Nice round of applause. I got so many good ideas. Like, did you know that our government, we actually give tax breaks to companies that outsource jobs to other countries? That's awful. We've already lost 7 million jobs since NAFTA, right? You get the f out of here. Get the f out of here. I want to hear that. Hey, what'd you major in in college? Uh, you! Uh, sports marketing. Okay, you're running my campaign. Welcome. To Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Actually, a lot of times we just say we've got a lot to get to today, and we don't actually have a lot, but we do have a lot today. We've got uh, O-line coach Dave DeGuglielmo. I was just learning his name really well. Uh, he's not going to be retained. we got Breland Speaks with signed Giants stories, and then our wide receiver review, which wide receiver review could be an own, its own episode if we really wanted to. Um, Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner, we have so much to get to. So much to get to. And you, we never lie. We never lie. This this offseason, even though there hasn't been a ton of news, we kind of wanted there to be a little bit more news with uh, Jason Garrett. But, um, yeah, we do have a lot to get to. How are you doing? Uh, I'm a little tired. Thank God it's uh, Friday tomorrow. A little tired from work. How are you doing? Senior Bowl next week. How are you feeling? I'm excited for the Senior Bowl. That's why I haven't put out a ton of YouTube stuff this week is because I've been prepping it for Senior Bowl week. Which, by the way, maybe we'll save that. Actually, let's just do the announcement now. And then we'll, we'll, we have to do an ad. We have to do two ads on this show. We're Ad City. One, We're Sellout City. One is a promotion. The other one is an ad. Yeah. Yep. We just use different words for it. Next week, Snowman Radio is going to be in the afternoon. It's going to be me, Justin, and Danny. Probably like around the 4 o'clock range or something. Um, Bobby and Danny will definitely be there. Just know Justin's going to have to suck it up and be there. Um, and then I'll be doing live streams, hopefully, with some people I meet there. I'm going to be there uh, a, a loner. We're going to be all alone um, the way it's supposed to be. So I'm excited I'm excited to see what it all entails. And Chaz Surratt's mm. going to be there, which just made, like, made it all totally worth it for me. He is um, he is your spirit animal, so I'm, I'm excited for you. Speaking of animals, I feel like it would be funny if you interviewed, like, ducks. Like if I don't know what kind of animals are rolling around the Senior Bowl. Oh, I've done that before. Exactly. That's why. That's why I'm thinking I can, I can see that's something that that you that you do. And I think since you're alone, and since there's so much distancing, whatever, I think you should do it again. Like, hey, what do you uh, how do you think Devonta Smith's uh, route running was this practice? And then he just... I will do something like that. I'll look for dead animals. All right. Um, male interview cards. All right. We'll we'll do it. We'll do it. All right. Uh, let's do it. Let's do our ad. Uh, this episode is brought to you. By the John Boy Media Shop. The John Boy Media Shop. The sweaters. I guess um, like winter sweaters, hoodies and stuff. They're 25% off, This Justin. one. This one right 25% here. 25% off. This one. This one. In, this includes this one. This one that I'm wearing right now. I wore it for a purpose. Right on. 25% off with uh, promo code WINTER. It's uh, shop.johnboymedia.com. And you know what? Like the Talking Giants hoodies, I wear mine every day. Um, during this time of year, go buy them. Twenty five percent off is the best deal you'll get on it. Go buy. How, how, here's how about this, Justin? Yeah. If you don't buy it, because I don't, I don't need a sweater. Well, guess what? I'm going to make sure you don't need a sweater. I'm going to burn your house down. Whoa. You're, you're never going to be cold again. It's going to be so hot. I'm going to reveal something personal on the podcast right now. I had a house fire when I was in the seventh grade. 
And it's been 10 years. Maybe since... you should have went to johnboymedia.com. Yeah, right. Shop.johnboymedia.com. It, this, this March, it will be 10 years since my house fire. It was a very traumatic experience as a child. Well, if you people don't want to go through that, go to shop.johnboymedia.com. Find your favorite uh, winter sweater and use code WINTER to get 25% off. And make sure it's the Talking Giants one. Make sure it's the Talking Giants one or I'll lose my mind. I'll probably still burn your house down. All right, that's... See, those are the ads we can do when it's our own company. Um, yeah. So go, buy, go buy a sweater. Or go Bobby may or may not burn your house down. Yep, and I'll probably be fired by Monday, so see you then. Um, all right, Justin, let's get into some New York Giants football. The Giants are not retaining offensive line coach Dave DiGuglielmo. Um, obviously, if you haven't been living under a rock, Mark Colombo was fired in the middle of the season, during the bye week, they uh, because Dave DiGuglielmo was brought in to be like a, a special interest, kind of like an analyst, like a, a, a helper, Colombo didn't like that, saw the writing on the wall, freaked out. Called Judge a see you next Tuesday. Yep, that's, yeah, that's what we've heard. Um, we know. Dave, yeah, Dave DiGuglielmo, <laughs> he, uh, he takes over. Uh, he's obviously been around, like he's been, you know, with Colts, Dolphins. He uh, he was an assistant with Pat Flaherty with the Giants for some time. He's been around. Um, he can be kind of snarly, uh, and they decided not to retain him. But Justin, it wasn't that they like they fired him. They just couldn't reach an agreement on his contract. Supposedly they were trying to reach an agreement and they couldn't do it, which is weird because the same thing happened to him in yeah. Miami. I really think it's more of a Dave issue than it is the Giants issue. I really think he's like you're gonna have to really make it worth my time to. Get me to sign a two-year contract here. Do O-line coaches just have huge egos? Because it's Colombo that we had problems with. Huge ego, huge ego move. You're you're a young offensive line coach. You're seen as a promising guy, but the second that somebody offers you help because you're not doing your job properly, freaks out, calls Joe Judge to see you next Tuesday. How dare him? And then. Guglielmo, second time in his career where he can't reach some sort of agreement. And then I even remember, uh, maybe it's a Jason Garrett thing too, where Jason Garrett and uh, Callahan had issues in Dallas. And that was like one of the reasons why, you know, when we, when a lot of Giants fans wanted Callahan when the position was open last year, that was like, oh, Callahan's not coming back to the Giants because he had problems with Garrett. So is, yeah. is O line coaches, they have big egos. Well, I mean, I'm an O-line guy, and I have a big ego. True. So, yeah, I, maybe, maybe that is what it is. Um, I thought he did, like, there was some improvement with him. It wasn't, like, vast improvement, but the improvement really began with Andrew Thomas before Colombo was fired, and that was when, you know, we heard that Joe Judge, you know, we were told that Joe Judge was really taking mm -hmm. um, the reins. So, uh, I don't view this as, like, some huge loss. I don't think the O-lineman players liked them either, by the way. No, no, because imagine going from Mark Colombo who the big thing about Colombo when he came in is that he's one of the guys, right? He's one of the guys. And we and we saw, and I think this is one of the reasons why Judge decided to like, hey, I'm going to move on from you. Colombo had his guys back, like, no matter what. And de like outwardly just defended them, even when maybe they didn't necessarily deserve to be defended. Um, and Joe Judge obviously felt different. And then to go from that, one of the guys, to Goosh, who is an older guy, he's a disciplinary, and he takes no nonsense from anybody to go from that i can imagine it was quite the turn in the middle of the season yeah basically some of the giants offensive linemen aren't sad that he's going it's is basically what i'm saying um 
and it's it's more it's more than a couple. So, um, but that doesn't mean he's a bad coach either, though. Like you can hate a coach, and he can also be a really good coach for you too. Yeah. So, I don't I don't view this as like any gooch slander. Um, it would have been cool to see what he could have done with this unit as you know for a year. Like I I was I was hoping he'd come back. Now they can go out and upgrade, uh, which is obviously always the goal. Um, but I do think the Giants, if they like really wanted to get him back and wanted to get him back no matter what, they would have done that. And so Guja, Guja didn't want to do that. I think it, I think it was more uh, of a of a Dave DiGuglielmo decision than it was a New York Giants decision. I would agree. I would agree. Um, I'm not super into this, but I know you prepped a few people. Do you have alternatives? People that worked with Joe Judge, do you want to talk about that? Like I said, I'm not that big into looking at that because it's all so random. But you have well, anything? yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like which O line coach is good, but just some names that could possibly be there. There's connections, or you know, uh, could just or just could just make sense. The first one isn't going to happen, but I want it to happen so bad, Justin. Do you know who it is? No, I do not. For Patriots O line coach Dante Scarnecchia. Old, he's an old guy now, but he retired. This like this was his first year not being coaching. He was the Patriots O line coach, obviously the Patriots recognition. He is known like it's Bill Callahan and Dante Scarnecchia. If we could get that old man out of retirement, I would I would lose my mind. What if we do get to a point where no one, where we can't find anybody, and Joe Judge just begs this guy to come out of retirement for a year? You should. Hey, I think Joe Judge would be mistaken to not at least give him a call and see what he's doing. Like he may have wanted to get out from under from, uh, from Bill too, you know. Maybe he was like Brady; he wanted to get out from under it, but didn't want to make it obvious and go somewhere else right away. So maybe, maybe Joe Judge gets this old man out of retirement. I don't it, know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, Bobby I mean, Skinner. I don't know a lot about these guys. That's the thing. I don't know a lot about these guys. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know a ton either, but I just want to give some names out there. Uh, another one. Here's a guy we do know a lot about: Pat Flaherty. He was a Giants yeah. O line coach from 2004 to 2015. Um, he was the Miami coach last year and was fired for Dave DeGuglielmo. Um, uh, like they moved on from Pat Flaherty and, and, and promoted Dave, and then he didn't, couldn't be retained to end of the year. Very similar situation. Obviously, he's familiar with the New York Giants, was part of you know that, that O-line that was one of our favorites of all time. Um, and the Miami connection is basically a New England connection. Uh, at this point, with with the way some coaches have went through there with with Patrick Graham, so there is connection there. Pat Flaherty could be be another one. Would you be interested in bringing Pat Flaherty back? Different coaching staffs. I f- you you almost feel like it's a different. It's a, entirely different. Is there? There's not even a single starter. Don't don't even know single starter nor anybody on the roster that's from 2015 on the offensive line. No, 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 no. So. Um, yeah, but he was a, he's an analyst for Penn state these past couple years where, you know, Sean Spencer. So O-line coaches and D-line coaches spend a lot of time mm-hmm. together. So, you know, there's gotta be some type of relation there between Sean Spencer and, and Pat Flaherty as well. And doing different so there's, things. There's relationships there besides just former Giants guys. Yeah. And doing different things I feel like is a, is a cool thing too. It makes you more uh, of a diverse candidate. So, you know, especially, you know, I, we know the Giants like to, repeat relationships and if they left on like good standing which i know if if you if you leave the organization in 2015 especially when you were associated with the offensive line you weren't necessarily on the best of standings but that's also with general managing not putting talented players up there so sure pat flaherty pat flaherty next ben wilkerson he's been the assistant o-line coach since 2018 um 
Just he's in the building, so that could be an option. There you go. He's actually good friends with our guy Keenan Forney, Andrew Thomas's trainer. Mm. Like Keenan, Keenan messaged me. He's like, dude, they should get Ben. Now, obviously, he's biased because that's his friend who he played with. Um, but he was the O line coach for Week Seventeen. True. Because of the Corona. True. True. Uh, there was um there was an offensive line coach today. I don't know what team this is from. Um, but as we were talking about passing game coordinator, running game coordinator, we, we've gotten those questions the last couple of weeks and towards the end of the season. There was a, an offensive line coach who was announced as a, as a rushing game coordinator as well. Um, that's a new kind of coaching carousel thing happening in the NFL. And I'm thinking to myself, well, based off of what, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about the offensive line coach position and based off of just what I know, isn't an offensive line coach already like a rushing game coordinator without having an, or, or holding that title specifically? No, because a lot of, it depends. Like I, they're not just they're not scheme, they're they're not the ones scheming. They're the ones that take the scheme from the coordinator and put it in into place for the offensive line. But they're not being like, okay, we're gonna run this type of run play. But like, um, obviously, there's input on everything, and and the, you know the um, you know the preparation meetings, the day they do that, uh, you know, there's a, there's input from everybody. All the coaches get you know jam up in a room and and talk for twelve hours straight, basically. So. Um, when they install the game plan. So, but I mean, Ben has been here through Hal Hunter, Mark Colombo, and Gooch. So he's, maybe he could take the best out of all three of them. Get the best of both worlds. Best of all, th- but all three worlds. Oh. And screw the world. Talking Giants versus the world. Ah. I talked about this um, with the Patreon chat. Um, a lot of things have gone wrong in, in my life and, and even your life a little bit too. Since, remember since I asked that question, I think it was last week. When you said talking giants versus the world the first time on the podcast, and I said, "Well, who exactly is against us?" I, I have I have found out. I have found yeah. out who is against us. We've been we're being. I, I want to say things have went wrong, but we've realized people that we're against. Um, Bobby, I think it's karma. Nope, stop it, stop it. Somebody, oh, I realized something a couple weeks ago. Somebody, somebody tweeted about karma, and you guys tagged some. You tagged me. I was like, I don't get this, and then I realized like thirty minutes later, like, oh, the tweet he said karma in it. Um, anything that has karma or Christmas, I think about tagging you in. There's yeah, no point to thanks. it besides just annoying you. Yeah, <laughs> it works. <laughs> All right, ne- ne- next on the list, Bobby. Uh, something, something is speaking to me right now. It's this signing that the Giants made today. Oh, shut up! Breland <laughs> speaks. Let's 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 save the Breland speaks jokes for Breland speaks. How about that? Oh. Oh, I thought we were uh, there. We're not there yet. <laughs> no, I still got three more guys. Oh, n- what? <laughs> I yeah, dude. Done. I homie came ready. When, hey, when is the O line? Jeff Stoutland. He's the Eagles run game coordinator and O line coach. I think that's probably who you're talking about. He's been with the Eagles since 2013. He was with Alabama from 2011 to 2012. So Joe Judge connection. Um, and with the Eagles hiring their new head coach Nick Sirianni, he has connections with Gooch. So maybe he comes in. Makes Gooch the O line coach, and you know, um, and Statlin is is looking for a job, so Statlin could be another option for the Giants. I wish that man, the Eagles head coach, nothing but failure in his life. He has the pen and the visor. He's a loser. Yeah. Who's next? That, that's, that's a loser move. And then, um, the next one, uh, this one's probably not realistic, but he was a candidate last year. Kyle Flood. Oh. Uh, if you're a Rutgers fan, you know Kyle Flood. Of course. Yeah, he was the you know Rutgers head coach for a while, um, as as well as their O line coach. Uh, he was the O line coach for Alabama 
But he just left for Texas with Steve Sarkeesian to become their offensive coordinator slash O-line coach. So, obviously, the NFL is an upgrade from college, but I don't think NFL O-line coach is an upgrade from offensive coordinator at Texas. Right. Who's the last but, guy? Um, well, and I just put Bill Callahan on there. Fire Jason Garrett and, and ah, Bill Callahan. Love that. Yeah. Love just, that. just just put it out there. Like, Joe Judge, we know Joe Judge listens to Talking Giants. Get Bill Callahan. Did fire. We, did, hey, kill two birds with one stone. We love killing birds. We do. We do. A lot of lot of birds in the NFL that we that we play and that we kill. A lot of birds. Well, lot did, of birds. Was Bill Callahan a good offense coordinator? Was he the offense coordinator of the year in 2014 where they went like 14-2 and two and DeMarco Murray ran all over the world? And Tony Romo was really efficient? Um, I think he was. Don't think it was Linehan. I think Linehan... He's been around for a long time. I think Linehan is much more hated than... No, it was. It definitely wasn't Linehan because Linehan... He was, yeah, OC, 2012 to 2014. Yeah. And then he got fired because he couldn't get along with Jason Garrett. Yep. Jason Garrett wanted to get the the offensive coordinator roll back. Then he went to Washington. They went 14 was, and, they went fourteen and 2. I, I, like, I'm serious. Like, I look at that 2014 Dallas offense, and I, I know I'm a guy that, you know, I, I like to talk about throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, blah, 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 blah. But I look at that 2014 Dallas offense and looking at how the Giants are trying to build their team with offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, running back, having a quarterback that can, you know, that can, you know, you would think can be efficient. That 2014 Dallas team is like the blueprint of what you want to follow on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so whoever's responsible for, sure. for that. Bill Callahan. He's a great all-line coach. So that's all I got, Justin. That's all you got. Pick one. Pick one. Bill Callahan, Kyle Flood, Jeff Stoutland. Ben Wilkerson, Pat Flaherty, Dante Scarnecchia. Kyle Flood, because it's not realistic, but I think it'd be really fun. That it's was probably like, going to be someone we don't know. Like it's probably going to be some guy who coaches at, you know, um, you know, Northern Arizona or yeah. something. I don't know. I, that's why I think it's random. That's why I, I'm like, I'm not. This is not a conversation I'm really invested in. So. Yeah. Uh, and the Giants signed on a futures deal. Breland Speaks, who was a, a Chiefs second-round pick as a defensive end in 2018. Really speaking to me. <laughs> I couldn't hold that in for no. just like 10 more seconds. I couldn't. can't. <laughs> you can't stop yourself from speaking. How no. about, oh, there you go. Uh, in his rookie year, he played 40% of the snaps, had 24 tackles, a sack and a half, three tackles for a loss, eight QB hits. Not the worst numbers, but like probably not what you want out of your second-round pick. Uh, obviously came out of Ole Miss. And then 2019, he was on the IR and then had substance abuse um, suspension, probably smoking the weed. And then 2020, the Chiefs cut him in camp this past season. The Raiders and Cowboys had in the practice squad. So the fact that he couldn't stick around with the, those teams on the practice squad or, or, or land a, a futures deal with them probably says more about him than anything else, Justin. Mm-hmm. But, I mean – he is a guy that was picked in the second round. I went and actually watched his game against New England his rookie year where he played almost 100% of the snaps. Like, there was some good stuff there, you know? Like, you could see why they liked him. Um, so, just a name to keep up on. But I just, you know, I, I also, you know, he's he probably, at the end of the day, won't even make the roster. Breland speaks to me in so many different ways as a football player, Bobby. I think the versatility and the potential is endless. The potential is not... Just speaking to me, it's screaming at me. See, I just don't know how to respond to those. It's there. There is no response. That's the point. 
There is no response. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. You're, um, you're, you're speak. You're speakless. I lack. I lack any speaking. Wow. Um. He's from Ole Miss. He had a really gifable moment. Yes. Uh, where he recovered a fumble against Mississippi State and, and waved at the smile. camera. <laughs> I know. It kind of reminded me of Strahan a little can bit. You, can like you? Can you? It was a Michael Strahan move. Can you imitate the smile? I think I can do it. Do it. All right. Well. All right. So he. So he gets. Pretend this chapstick is the ball. He gets the ball and he holds it, and then he goes like. And then. Well, it was like um, a weird smile. Little teeth showed a little teeth too. It's weird. So I like. He's it from though. Ole Miss. Evan Ingram's from Ole Miss. Can you name the other player on the Giants currently from Ole Miss? Shoot, man, none of the wide receivers. Um, Wrong. It's a wide receiver, Dante Pettis. Yep. Cody Core. Cody Core. Stupid Cody Core. Is he even on the team? What former Giant went to Ole Miss? It's Cody Core. Isn't Cody Core hurt? Yeah, but he's on the team still. I, f- I forgot about. It. He disappeared from my brain. Should cut him for cap space. Sucks. What former New York Giant played for Old Miss? Um, Elijah Elijah um, Manning. I don't know his middle name. I should know his middle name. Elijah Manning. I like it. Uh, you ready for Giant Stories? Yes. Very Speaking exciting. of Giant Stories, we hit 10,000 on Instagram. Woo! Which is, that's our first social media account to hit 10,000. Only use swipe ups once. I, I, I think this weekend, I know you said not to overuse it. This weekend, I'm gonna just have swipe ups to random things. No, that's not. Don't use talking giants for that. Try and get your personal to ten thousand. You can yeah, do I'm, that. I'm, I'm a, I'm a tenth of the way there. I'm not even a tenth of the way there. Well, now you have a goal. You have a goal in mind for that. Um, so, t- ten, ten thousand on Instagram. Thank, thank you, listeners. Justin, are you ready for giant stories? Yes, very excited this week. All right, play the music. Leonard Williams was jet skiing with R.J. McIntosh down in Florida. And then Leonard Williams went golfing. B.J. Hill, then I saw him. He was jet skiing. I don't know if it was R.J. McIntosh, but it was down in Florida. Speaking of Florida, Adrian Colbert went on a shark tour in Florida. Levine Toy Lolo got a pedicure. Nick Gates, Shane Lemieux, Warhol Hernandez were having a beer with John Halapio and the Giants equipment manager. Alex Bachman's sister got married, I think. Joe Webb was playing with his bow and arrow. Darnay Holmes was riding a three-wheeler. I was jealous of that. Blake Martinez was doing a Pokemon puzzle. Nerd David Mayo was at the water park with his family. Cam Fleming went top golf, And Andrew Thomas is celebrating his birthday today. Justin, what piques your interest? Bobby Skinner, it's your birthday today, so happy birthday. Thank you. You share. Well, we're recording this, it's technically not, but when people are listening, it is, so trying to be professional here i know trying to but be it's just professional. weird like I, I have a hard time um you have a hard time grasping time i get it so andrew thomas happy birthday bobby skinner happy birthday um you forgot you left out that leonard williams was dancing and i enjoyed that i also like to dance i don't well i i guess they do post it online i did post it online once with uh, my waddle. I waddled for uh, Jalen Waddle. It's a wobble, not I wa- a waddle. Whatever. I don't even know what it's called. Whatever. I wobbled for J- I That's how bad I want Jalen Waddle as of right now. Ooh, NFL draft talk. Um, Leonard Williams, is he ever going to make his way back to California, or is each offseason going to be a different spot where he hangs out? 
I think he's probably turned off by California because of the COVID laws there. Oh. Do we That's th- just a guess. That's a guess. He could also just be vacationing in Miami for the first two weeks of the offseason. Vacationing. Because you got to remember, last year we didn't do giant stories until like a month, two into the offseason. So we have no idea. We didn't pay attention to these guys' vacations last year. So he very well may be just vacationing. Like his house still is in California. So I don't think that it's he just abandoned his really nice house on the beach in California. What a what a life. Vacationing in Miami. Vacationing in Florida to go back to your house in California. What a Basically the entire Giants roster was in Florida these past couple of weeks. And I tweeted that and someone was like, That's a shame. No, it's not. Let them you know, we're not we're not doing that anymore. They literally survived yeah, playing. no more judging for people for living their lives. No, at we this don't. Point. Well, we we already established on the show we don't we don't Corolla COVID judge, but they literally survived playing a savage sport for since the month of August, where a lot of them did not get COVID, and what let them let them go like you know, yes, let them go. Um, let them breathe. Levine Toilolo, what was he doing? He got a pedicure. Okay, oh, okay, pedicure. That's that's what the, so, I think was it that pedicures your feet right? Yes. Uh, did you see the way I just said pedicure? Um, yeah. The- little, little little hand there. Um. So uh, f- feet. I I also when I ha- have a more established salary and financial responsibility, I would like that to be a part of my ru- my monthly routine. Why? I have a hard time reaching my feet. Just get a massage. Well, well, that doesn't help my my toenail situation. Ah, all you have to two birds one stone. If your feet are messed up, all you have to do is spend like two weeks like focusing on taking care of your feet. Well, I can't better. reach. That's my thing. That's my problem. I, can't, I, I have a hard time reaching. I need to stretch Stop more. It. Um, here's what caught my interest: Darnay Holmes riding a three wheeler. That looks like so much fun. Like I was super jealous of that. And then Adrian Tol- uh, Colbert doing the shark tour in Florida. I don't know where that is. I know it's somewhere on the west coast of Florida, but I would love to check that out. Um, but the three-wheeler looked fun. I actually was face-to-face with a shark one time. What it was kind a nurse shark? shark. What kind of it shark? It was a nurse shark, oh. so it doesn't it doesn't bite. It was I was snorkeling in the Keys, and I went around this piece of uh, uh, coral, and I was face-to-face, and I never swam so far fast in my life. And then one other time we were snorkeling, and it was a deep-water reef, and you could see the sharks at the bottom. And, you know, they were, they, I think, they were, I'm pretty sure they were nurse sharks, but they weren't, like, going around attacking people. And so we tapped my youngest brother, and I'm like, hey, just look. Like, we weren't trying to scare him, just like, hey, look. He sticks his head out of the water. Shark! And then gets on some random people's boat. He was so scared. <clears throat> it was a bizarre story. That had a lot of moving parts. He just got scared. He saw a shark and picked up his head, yelled shark, and then swam to the nearest boat and got on, to, on it. Is that something? It was that probably you have like eight or eight years old at the time. Living or okay, so eight years old, but living by living by the beach, right? And you, do you, I'm sure you are. You, are you an ocean guy, or do you just like to sit on the beach? Ocean guy. I, I'm I'm also an ocean guy. I can't I can't just sit and fry like a an egg. Um, I mean, I can do both, but yeah, I'm, I like to be in the ocean. Also, I I am also at a point where I can't even sit and fry like an egg for a couple minutes in the sun. I need to be. I need to have shade. It. it it hurts everything. Um, but are you? Do you need to like be aware of like types of sharks and what you see in the ocean? Like, are you aware of like, oh, I see that kind of jellyfish. I need to get the hell out of the water. That kind of whatever. I need to get the hell out. Are you aware of that? 
No, because I'm on the East Coast, and unless you're down south, you really can't. There's not great visibility. I mean, you just hope you don't get bit. Basically, sure. It's not like it's not like snakes, where it's like one snake is poisonous and others aren't. It's like if you get bit, you got bit. Like sure. It's not like there's not like poison sharks. Um, and then jellyfish. If you, if you see jellyfish washed up, it's basically like stay out of the water. Like the la- I think the last time I spent a weekend at the beach was during the season. There were jellyfish up, so I didn't I didn't go down in the water because of that. Because that I mean that get, that sucks. You just get stung like crazy. I have one more question relating to giant stories. Go for it. Do we think Blake Martinez is a little bit of a weird guy? Weird, like doing Pokemon stuff. Weird. Okay, so let so like everyone did Pokemon. Like Pokemon was big, and then it went away, and like everyone did it. Like even like the popular people in school, and then it just randomly came back. And I had like friends who were like, who I knew were like, I won't share the personal information, but they weren't like, and they were like going and playing Pokemon. So I guess by weird, I guess I I'm guess I'm kind of saying nerdy, because I'm not I'm not the typical twenty twenty two year old where, you know, I listen to nineties country, I listen to classic rock, I I don't. I don't really go on TikTok, you know, all, all all that kind of stuff. I don't really do some of the things that a lot of you're just trying to make Blake Martinez seem like you. No, well, also we do look alike, um, but he's a little nerdy, like nerdy, like he has an, like he has an anime character as like his his profile picture or Yu Gi Oh. Does he know. really? It's either anime or Yu Gi Oh or something like that. Yu Gi Oh. I don't. I don't know. That was that was like. Dragon Ball Z light. I really yeah. am seeing like a, I'm really seeming like an uncultured swine right now. But since Blake Martinez is now loved by the majority of Giants fans, there's one fan in particular that doesn't like him, that we, which we shall not name his name. Snacks. Um, now the majority of Giants fans really like him. I think now he's like coming out of his shell, and it's like, oh, you're kind of a nerd and you're kind of a weirdo. That's at least my opinion. I'm a bad yeah. guy though. I'm a bad guy though. Yeah, he's a uh, a, a nerd and a weirdo like you. Sure. Uh, all right. Yep. Let's take a break. Let's uh let's bring people back in. We're gonna do a wide receiver review, which I think is actually gonna be some some good information. All right, let's take a break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. The return we have all been waiting for is finally here. UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon. This Saturday, be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users can bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, he'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple, okay? It's simple. While we are all excited this weekend's premiere UFC bout, let's not forget football is in the midst of their playoffs. So head to the app to check out the great playoff promotion. I mean, you guys better not forget about football. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Make it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. Flying fists. That's code JOHNBOY for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com 
slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I'm going to be watching that McGregor fight. I will too. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm probably going to bet $1 on a first-round knockout. Um, all right, let's talk about the wide receiver. Let's talk about the meat and potatoes this episode. It even took us 30 minutes to get here. Justin, the wide receiver spot struggled in 2020, and the numbers show that. The numbers show that. Now, that's also has to do with the offense struggling as a whole. QB issues. The QB didn't play great at times. And the way they played offense, the volume numbers were obviously hurt. But also, the average numbers went down too. The big three wide receivers, Slayton, Shepard, and Tape, all of their yards perception uh, went down this season. Now, catch percentage, Tate was up by 9.7%. Uh, Shep was up by almost 5%. Slayton was down 5%. Big plays for this these wide receivers came off of perfect throws by Daniel Jones, who had the best deep ball passing rating in the NFL. Now, it didn't come very often, but when it did, he didn't miss. Like, you remember, think about the big plays for this season, Justin, and they came off of perfect throws from Daniel Jones. Very rarely was it somebody catching it and be like, wow, he made that. And we saw those plays in 2019. Now, the New York Giants have said they're going to get playmakers, and we all assume that that's going to mean at least one wide receiver in the draft. We assume Golden Tate's going to be gone. This wide receiver group, while I do, I don't throw this wide receiver group in the trash, Justin. It was a bad 2020 for this wide receiver group. Yeah, Bobby, it's, I really go back and forth in my brain about this one, you know, because we went into the year saying, you know, we we know we maybe can use an additional wide receiver, but it kind of was enough in 2019. You know, I think Golden Tate's a really big damper on the entire group. Um, and I, I kind of knew that heading into this year. And that was kind of the reality. But also the reality of everything is um, the scheme doesn't allow the wide receivers to do a lot of good things. And here's what I really think about. Uh, the Giants were last in the National Football League in yards after catch per completion in 2020. They were last. There was not a team that was worse than the National Football League at getting yards after the catch per completion than the New York Football Giants. So largely, you know, what what you know what I think we can kind of understand and come to a consensus altogether is that yards after catch is largely a scheme-driven stat. You know, are you, if you're catching a screen pass, when there's a, when there, you have a lot of cushion in between the corners and the wide, receiver, the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, then that's a scheme-driven play. It's like, oh, corners are backed up, and we're going to take advantage by throwing a screen pass, so there's going to be a lot of uh, separation to the nearest defender. Um, are you running certain routes that na- that naturally get you separation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Four verts, you know, Bobby. You know what happens when you run four verts? Somebody, it's more than likely somebody is running underneath, kind of open because you're stretching the field. The Giants did not do any of these things, and also you have to combine the fact that I kind of was looking up this today, you know, because obviously for Daniel Jones the yards were down. All the wide receivers, the yards were down. The yards per reception, all that was down. The just overall efficiency of the offense was down. But the Giants' offense um, in quarters 1 through 3, through weeks 1 through 17, quarters 1 through 3, they had the 7th lowest pass rate in the National Football League. But in the 4th quarter, they had the 6th highest. Now, Bobby, it's not like last year where the Giants were losing, you know, they were losing the majority of their games, like all of their games. You know, and I'm talking about being down by multiple scores. They were in a lot of their games this year. They were in a lot of them. They were winning some. They had double-digit leads towards the second half of the season. 
but yet their pass rate was still tremendously high in the fourth quarter, and quarters one through three, they were so, so conservative, and I think you really have to take that into account when evaluating Daniel Jones, saying, well, why didn't Daniel Jones have more touchdowns? Why didn't Daniel Jones have more yards? It's because in quarters one through three, when the game largely matters, for 45 minutes of 60 minutes, they were very conservative, and then the final 15 minutes, they were rushing to get some sort of production out of the passing game. So you evaluate that with Jones, but then you also have to take that to account when you look at the wide receivers and the production they put up. That well, was let's evaluate. That was so boring that I you that that you yawned and I lost you. No, I I heard everything you said. Um, you're talking about you know yak those numbers being scheme driven. Um, quarters one through three, we had we were the um, we passed the seventh least. Yes. Um, did I read your tweets about this earlier, which was just more of a refresher? Yes. Oh. Let's start with Sterling Shepard, Justin. He's five foot ten, two hundred one pounds. He'll be twenty eight years old in two weeks, so you'll be entering uh, season twenty eight. His contract for this year: um, nine million uh, uh, dollar cap hit, uh, a dead cap six mil. So it'll be no point in this year. Uh, then after this year, two thousand twenty two, he's a ten and a half mil cap hit with four mil in dead cut dead cap. So they could, if they were going to move off from Shepard, this isn't me saying move off Shepard. They could after this season, and then obviously the the last year of the contract is uh, it's eleven and a half cap hit with a two mil dead cap, so nine and a half uh, savings. So um, there's a potential out after this season, even though I don't think they'll be looking to explore that. He had turf toe uh, in the Chicago game, which caused him to miss four games, Justin. Um, in those games, the Giants only scored 14.5 points per game. That included the Dallas 27-point outing by the offense. He had 66 catches, 656 yards, three touchdowns, a 73% catch rate, and then a 79.2% catch rate with Daniel Jones. Like him and him, like those two, they didn't they didn't miss when they when when they were throw, when they were connecting. Um, and then had six carries for 49 yards and, and that touchdown, week 17. I know we're talking about the wide receivers being disappointing, but I think Shep is the one guy this year I'm not disappointed in. Like I think Shep had a, a good year. You know, he's not he's not number one wide receiver year, which he's you know I don't think anyone expected him to be that. Um, but I do think Sterling Shepard is the lone wide receiver for what we expected to say. You know what? He had a good year. You know, if if we say through 12 games he has those numbers, I think we all take that. The issue is that everyone else's numbers are really down. Yeah, and, you know, not to toot my own horn, but there were two things that I was really right about this year, and that was Leonard Williams, and that was Sterling Shepard. I feel like kind of like an underrated point of the summer that we made is, you know, we were talking about wide receivers. We were talking about, you know, who's going to step up out of those three guys. Is it going to be Slayton? Is it going to be Tate? You know, Tate to have a kind of a good second year where, you know, he capitalizes on somewhat somewhat of a decent 2019, even though he struggled in some areas. And then Sterling Shepard, which Sterling Shepard in 2019 with Daniel Jones, he became a new, he kind of became like a new wide receiver. In 2017, 2018, you know, 2016 was his rookie year. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, that was actually the year where he had second most targets. But 2017, he had 12.4 yards per reception. 2018, he had 13.2 yards per reception. So he was kind of like a a, a number, your number two wide receiver that was a compliment to Odell Beckham Jr., where I think, you know, maybe he benefited from Odell from getting, you know, more, you know, getting more yards per reception because Odell was there also expanding the field. Well, without Odell, his role ultimately changed. And 
even though we see him as like a slot possession wide receiver, most of his snaps were coming from the outside, but he kind of did fit this role as a possession wide receiver from the outside where high catch rate, low depth of target, not a ton of yak. You know, you catch the ball, you're going to fall down. You're just, you find the sticks, be reliable on third down. And I compared him to Steve Smith. I don't, maybe not 2009 Steve Smith, where Steve Smith caught over 100 balls in 2009. But, you know, Steve Smith, as, an, as a number, you know, in a perfect world, as a number two wide receiver that catches a lot of balls, that has, has a high catch rate, and is reliable on third down, and is a security blanket. That is Sterling Shepard. And we saw it in 2019 a little bit with Daniel Jones, but I think the chemistry only went up in 2020. Yeah. Um, the chemistry definitely did go up. Uh, I mean, a 79% catch rate, that's unreal yeah. for a guy who had the volume that he did have with Daniel Jones. Like, that, that's an unreal number, and it was over 80% for a lot of the year. Yeah, um, And also in an offense where separation was very hard to come by by every wide receiver and every skill position player that was out there. And, you know, this is why we say Sterling Shepard is the best route runner on the Giants because even in a scheme where it's tough to create separation – he did it. He found areas and zones to sit. He, he he found where the sticks were, and he would constantly move the chains. This year, despite playing in two more games, Bobby, somehow he had less snaps this year than he did in 2019, even though, he, like I said, he played two more games. But I'm pretty sure this year, if I'm looking correctly, he had 37 first downs versus 29 last year, even though he played less snaps. Well, and think about when he came back after the turf toe injury. When he came back is when the offense wasn't good, but it was it was the best that the offense was all season. It was the Philly. Um, it was the first Thursday night game versus Philly. He had Tampa, which um, even with Jones having his worst game, they put up like 20, 23 points yeah. in that game. Um, Philly again, Washington, uh, and Cincinnati. And then obviously, you know, Jones goes down in that Cincinnati game and then and things kind of went back downhill after that. Um, with Colt McCoy and then an, an injured Daniel Jones. So, where do you sit on the whole, oh, he's a slot receiver, he needs to play the slot? Because the numbers, you know, obviously outside receiver is a different position, but the numbers show that, you know what, he's good on the, like, he's fine on the outside. Where I think a talking point that I had during the season was like, oh, he needs to be in the slot. We need him to be in the slot. But when you look at it, I have no problem with him being outside and like Sterling Shepard isn't going to stop me from going out and getting a slot guy. Like say you want to get Jalen Waddle and you want Jalen Waddle to play in the slot. I'm not going to be like, ah, but does he fit with Shep? Because, um, in 2020, uh, Shep played uh, on the outside 65% of the time. He had 46 catches, 508 yards, two touchdowns In the slot. He had 20 catches, 148 yards, one touchdown. Obviously it's a different position. You're not going to get, like like you said, slot the the average depth of target is less. Yeah. Um, but in 2018, because I remember the Giants actually wrote an article where I was able to find these numbers when they when they extended him, they did a like a breakdown of numbers because Odell was hurt that year of of Shep on the outside in the slot. Um, he played outside 43 percent, slot 57 percent on the outside. He had 28 catches for 444 yards, um, and then in the slot he had 38 catches, so 10 more catches. But for 16 less yards at 428 yards. So uh, I was very, like, in season, like, this guy needs to play in the slot. But when you look back at it and the numbers and you see the games that they were best is when he wasn't playing in the slot. Yeah, I want to I I confirm that. I kind of went off of that a little bit. I want to confirm that. Can you pull up Sterling Shepard's game log? 
from 2020? I want to confirm this very quickly. Confirm which part? I want to because I have the games in which he played the slot more than more than the outside. I have those games. Okay, which so, so like the games I had that were like the best games for the offense was like Tampa. Even though Jones played that bad, game bad, the receivers played well. What week? Give me both give me Philly weeks. games in Cincinnati. Those were the four. What so, were the what were those weeks? Tampa week eight. He played outside more. What what else? Um, Philly week seven. He played outside more. Philly week 10. He played outside more, but it was kind of close with him in the slot. Okay. Cincinnati week 12. He played more outside. And even Dallas. Is there Dallas, game you want to throw in there? Is Dallas it, at the end of the year? Dallas at the end of the year, he played more outside. The The game that I, how about week nine? Um, wa, wa, Okay, yeah. Washington, that was the game. Uh, Yeah, Wash, yeah you could put that one in there. Washington week nine. Washington week nine. He played more he in the slot. slot that year. He played yeah, that more in the slot. Suspend. And then week That's... one, he played more in the slot. Correct, but I didn't view that as a good game really for the offense. No, not not a, no, especially well the r- running game stunk. Um, yeah, but those are the two games in which he played more in the slot than he did. The only game that you can say is like eh, he kind of split was the Philly game in week 10. So you want to know what? You're, you're totally right. I'm not going to... That was the best offensive performance of the whole year. Right. Right, that game. Right. That's the second Philly game, right? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. Um, I 100% do agree with you where, you know, especially if Jalen Waddle is a talent that we will eventually evaluate and, you know, who I who I like as of right now. I liked him back even going back to June. You know, and that's what I'm going off of right now. Um, you know, our evaluations that we kind of had before the year, because also he didn't really do much this year because he was hurt. But if that's a guy that the Giants like and we really like and we think that he can be like this Tyreek Hill and we think that he can be really fun and exciting, um, I don't think anybody in this draft, especially if you want to pick them at 11, Sterling Shepard should be stopping anybody, the Giants, you know, from drafting anybody or signing anybody. Yep, yep, which the talking point I had during the year, which I'll admit that I was wrong, is that, like, oh, he needs to be in the slot. Same like here. the offense, like, you know what? Now, his outside receiver maybe isn't the most traditional. Like, they align him inside a little more, and a lot of times you have these guys splits are right next to each other. So, you know, obviously you, you play with the personnel you have, but um, a talking point that I will not be having going forward is that Sterling Shepard has to play in the slot, um, whereas, like, a guy like Slayton has to play outside. Um, I, th- I thought, like I said, this was a good year for Ship. Yes. We'll talk about him versus Slayton in a second. All right, so you want let's, let's talk Slayton. Yep. Slayton. Darius Slayton, six foot one, 190 pounds, was a fifth round pick in 2019. He's 24 years old. Uh, his contract, he's he's on the books for another two years, nine hundred thousand this year, one mil the year after. In 20 games, or in, in 2020, he played 16 games, had 50 catches, 751 yards, three touchdowns, a 52 percent catch rate. In 2019, he missed the first two weeks and only played 14 games. He had 48 catches, 740 yards. Eight touchdowns and a 57.1% catch rate. So it was 5% better in 2019. I mean, everything was basically better in 2019. The first half versus second half Slayton was a real thing. Like, first half Slayton wasn't like he's a number one guy, but he looked really solid. And then the second half, Justin, it dipped off. Yeah. I I don't blame that on Shepard being back either. No. We've been speculating all year that – Slayton is going to be a guy that we're going to hear gets off-season surgery. Um, that I don't know if that has come out. Um, 
maybe maybe we'll shoot a maybe we'll shoot a, D, uh, a beat reporter friend like hey can you look this up for us because we have this feeling so maybe so maybe we can get that confirmed um so yeah uh the numbers actually are similar for Darius Slayton in 2019 to 2020 except the touchdowns the touchdowns and the big plays overall there were some big plays but the big plays that really had like a lot of value and really had a lot of imp- like had an impact on the game um, Pittsburgh, you know, that, that 40 yarder had a big impact on the game. The touchdown against Washington had a really big impact on the game. But outside of that, I don't know if I can remember a really solid Darius Slayton touchdown or like a big moment. Um, well, he only had touchdowns in those two games, the Dallas yeah. game, he played really well. Um, but games one through eight, he had 32 catches, 485 yards, three touchdowns and a 57.1% catch rate. So he was basically, he was playing better than his rookie season. Like, if you put that for the whole season, that's 64 catches, uh, 970 yards, and six touchdowns. Like you're you're fine yeah. with that with the way this wide receiver core is set up. And then weeks nine through sixteen, he had 18 catches, 266 yards, zero touchdowns, and a 45% yeah. catch rate. Like his his second half of the season wasn't just down; like it was bad. Yeah. Like if if those are his numbers for the year, it's 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 Golden Tate numbers, you know. Yeah. And we'll talk about Golden Tate and how disappointing he, uh, his role was this year. I have um, I have a stat. I don't I don't put that solely on him returning. So I know that he may be banged up, but it just seemed like he wasn't getting that separation that he got in 2019. Like where there, even when Jones was giving him those chances, it seemed like the guys were all, like glued to him. Where in 2019 he at least had that one step, and then there were some big drops, like the Cincinnati drop. Which was, you know, that would have been like a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah, he had two drops last year. He had six this year. Um, the separation numbers are weren't that great last year. They're not that great this year. They're still, I mean, it's bottom quarter. It's like bottom, I think it's like bottom 12 in the National Football League in both years. But for a guy like Slayton, I'm not really looking at his separation numbers. Uh, I look at separation numbers for guys like Shep or guys like Tate. But something that I want to share, this is actually a new metric that NFL Next Gen introduced this year, and it's kind of cool to look at after the season. The percentage of share of teams air of teams air yards. So, Bobby, what that basically means is that uh, you know, based off of a certain player's percentage, how much of the total air yards are being allocated to a certain player and a certain skill position? Does that make sense? Do I have you? Yes. Okay. So Darius Slayton. 34% of the Giants' total team air yards in the passing game went to Darius Slayton. That is insane. That, that is, is a lot. that is one, two, three, four, That's five, six, seven. That's a lot for a guy seven. that you weren't really pleased with at the end of the year. It's it's eighth highest in the National Football League. Let me tell oh you who God. else. Let me tell you who else is eighth next. highest, and he wasn't, and you're not happy with Correct. the way he played this year. That's crazy. And let me tell you who Offense was sucks. also around Darius Slayton in this percentage of share of teams air yards. Typically, if you if you know if you're going to be relying on you know a wide receiver in terms of targeting him deep in the passing game or just targeting him at all and having in him having you know him have accumulating a lot of yards or air yards right you typically want that wide receiver to be relied upon and you want that wide receiver to be good calvin ridley was number one good wide receiver very good compliment to julio jones uh dj moore was number two good marquise brown baltimore's a good offense he's the guy that kind of stretches the field for them you know him and mark andrews number four dk metcalf number five justin jefferson terry mclaurin tyreek hill and then it's Slayton, then it's Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen. Um, I'll tell you what. That speaks about this scheme more than anything, I believe. Correct. And that is why I go back and forth in my brain all the time about 
you know, uh, you know, it's bad that we're it's bad that we're relying on Darius Slayton, you know, in, the, in terms of talent wise, and that's why we do need to upgrade at wide receiver. Um, but also, why are we relying on Darius Slayton to account for thirty five percent of this team's total air yards when number one, he's not even that healthy, if that is a thing, and number two, you know, he's not a number one wide receiver. Like those are all pretty much most of those guys are number one wide receivers. DJ Moore's number one. DK Metcalf is forming as that number one. Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, that's that's a crazy stat. You need to tweet that stat out because that's... It's and, already and, scheduled for 10 a.m. Okay, make sure you have an explanation of why it's scheme related. Cause they, and they stopped letting him run a lot of routes too. Like they, like they weren't letting him run digs. Like it was basically like go ball slant. Go ball slant curl. That was the... the the Darius Slayton route tree. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about Shep and Slayton though. Big picture. Who, Justin, are you more invested in going forward? This doesn't mean their contracts, but who are you like? This is the guy that we want next to somebody because the Giants are probably going to add a wide receiver this offseason who they would pro- would hope to be their one. And I put this on a poll on Twitter. Um, the uh, the it got Shep got fifty four point three percent Slayton got forty five point seven percent so very very close and I think it's close for a reason because I think you could go both ways even though some of the fan reaction was uh like if you think it's Shepard you're a boomer moron it's like if you think it's Slayton you're over of you know you're you're thinking way too highly of this guy um and here's the thing Justin here's where I'll go right now. I think Sterling Shepard is just is a better wide receiver. That being said, I'm more invested in Darius Slayton going forward. He has a defined role as that guy on the outside. Okay, and and when we say weapons, they may add two guys. Say they draft a wide receiver and sign one. Doesn't mean they're going to go sign you know Allen Robinson, but sign a receiver and draft a receiver. Then you have four guys, and that means Slayton or Shep is kept out of the rotation a little bit. But I am more invested in Slayton going forward because I feel like. A number one guy makes his makes what Slayton does a lot better than what it makes Shepard do. Like you know what I mean? Where Slayton he need he doesn't you can't have him have that number one corner on those contested throws on those deep balls. If you have the number two corner, you really I think it gives Slayton another advantage. Whereas route running isn't the greatest in the world, where he can win those routes against those number two corners. So um, because they're going to add pieces, I'm more invested. And Slayton as a role on this team going forward. Because I view the passing game as an extension of the running game, right? Where, you know, again, you know, I'm a guy, I like to throw the ball and I like to run the ball when it makes sense. But be, when because I'm a guy that likes to throw the ball a lot, you need to have nuance in your passing game. You can't just be throwing it deep. You can't just be checked down Charlie and, and not expanding the field at all. But I like to use the passing game as an extension of the running game having an aggressive approach on first and 10. So guess what? You take the four-yard passing play on first and 10 because it is that is viewed as an extension of the running game. When thinking about that and when thinking about how we need more consistency in the passing game instead of the once... I, I know you, you're you a guy where you like to take those risks and you you want to take those risks of, you know, once every... you know if, if, if Even if it's once out of every five attempts of a deep ball and Darius Slayton comes down with it and it results in a 20, 30-yard game, it's worth it. And I agree with you, but also I'm thinking of the Giants offense and how we just need more consistency overall on offense. And Sterling Shepard brings that. And I think I would prefer 
if uh, if Allen Robinson or, or whoever, if Jalen Waddles, whoever can come in here, you know, let's just say in this situation where we do bring in two wide receivers this offseason, I think somebody that we can bring in can do Darius Slayton's job better in terms of creating separation, in terms of contested balls down the field, in terms of uh, creating more explosive plays, while Sterling Shepard is very, very good at his role and his job at being in that security blanket with Daniel Jones because he already established that relationship. I get that. and it's, it's I, I do go back and forth on it. I just think what those guys do, like I agree, where Shepard is going to be more consistent, he can be more relied upon. But when you talk about adding other pieces, I feel like Shepard is still going to be Shep. Like I don't think what Shep does changes because of who you add. Where Slayton, him not having that number one corner, which he did, like he garnered the number one corner all year. It wasn't Shepard that was garnering it. He would like Darius, you know, whoever it was, he was that number one guy. Slayton's the guy who can go up and make those big plays, and I like I think you would try and make a role for that and, and try and get Jones's eyes downfield. I know the offense, you know, Garrett doesn't see the same same way um, as we do. I just feel like Slayton benefits so much more from a number one. And Justin, he's four years younger and he has less. I mean, Shepard has injuries. Shepard gets injured basically every you know almost every year. Um, and, and with the four years younger, uh, he's on the same cycle as Jones. There is a connection with Jones. You know, this year you saw there's a connection with Shepard too. Um, I just, I, I lean Slayton, but I think it's a real, like I'm asking the question cause I think it's a good question. I think you could make really good arguments for both guys. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And it honestly does depend on the offensive philosophy that Jason Garrett does want to have. Um, you know, if, if they want to continue to be, you know, checking down and, you know, not checking down, but utilizing the intermediate part of the field, Sterling Shepard's more important. If they want to Freddie Kitchens it a little bit more and expand the field, then Darius Slayton might be a little bit more important. But, um, I, you go back and forth. I'm a little bit more stern on Shepard also because I'm biased because I talk about him a lot. So I also recognize that I'm biased and I like him. So. Okay, cool. Let us know in the comments. What do you think, Slayton or Shepard? All right, Justin, next on the list, Golden Tate. 5'10", 197 pounds, 32 years old. Has two years left on the deal, but he's likely going to be cut. He'll, he'll save, they'll save 6.1 mil um, in cap space if they cut him. This season, he played uh, 12 games. He had 35 catches, 388 yards, two touchdowns, 11.1 yards per catch. Compared to 2019, where he played 11 games, where he played one less game, he had 49 catches, so that's 14 more catches. 676 yards, so that's essentially that's 200, uh, you know, 292 yards more. Six touchdowns, four touchdowns more. 13.8 yards per catch, 2.7 yards per catch. I mean, that's a huge difference. Now that being said, he played less in 2020, even though like his snap percentage for the year was 42 percent um, in 2020, compared to 59 percent in 2019, uh, where he, like you said, he played he played one less game. Once he got suspended after the Tampa game, he was done, Justin. Yeah. He played 38% of the snaps, 57%, 32%, 57%, 56%. In those five games after the suspension, he had 13 catches, 162 yards, zero touchdowns. I mean, that's – some guys get that, like, will get those numbers on a regular basis for a game. And so you had that in the finish off his season. Um, here's something I will say, though. Per snap, per snap, Justin, and we – and. They ran the ball. They they threw the ball less this year than they did in 2019. You're, you're going to you're going to fidag- fidagle this into some pro Golden Tate thing, and I'm not even going to react to it. 
per snap, he had 1.009 yards per snap in 2020. In 2019, he had 1.08. They could have used him better. I, you can be, you can say whatever you want about Golden Tate, but he was able. They, if they used him the same way they did in 2019, he would have. I don't think any, I don't think everyone hates Tate. Now Tate deserves hate because he brought him a lot on himself. The suspension, the whole throw him in a damn ball, um, and the one game where he was actually open. Yes. Did Tate get separation? Was he the guy that he's been in past years? No. But they didn't use him. Like they didn't like they they wasted him. Like they there was no use of him being on the team really this year. Um like and you know, the 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 only big plays were from the slot, those fade routes where you know they have a curl on the outside and then and uh, Tate uh fades out. Um, and has one-on-ones, and Jones puts a perfectly placed ball. Now, he makes crazy catches, but that's what it took to get Tate involved this year. Uh, it was it was a bad year all around, um, and it, and the Giants really had no interest of using him once after that Tampa game. I mean, it, from what we from what everyone has said, they were trying their hardest to trade him with a deadline, and nobody would bite. This was uh, Golden Tate's worst year in terms of yards after the catch. Now, like I said, yards after the catch, largely a, a scheme-driven thing. But Golden Tate has always been able to find ways to get yards after the catch, even you know, no matter what team he's been on. This was his worst yards after the catch uh, year in a long time, at least in, at least uh, since 2018, since they started tracking it on Pro Football Reference. Um, and here's what you need to know about Golden Tate's season. Bob, I'm not I'm not gonna fight back Bobby on anything because Golden Tate's done, and you know everybody knows my opinion. I think he sucks. Uh, Golden Tate, um, his average cushion at the line of scrimmage in terms of the nearest defender. To him at the snap of the ball uh, was 6.6 yards, um, which that was in the top quarter in the National Football League in terms of most cushion at the line of scrimmage. But the average separation on uh, targets when he was on passes where he was targeted was 2.1 yards, which is one, two, three, four, five, six least in the National Football League. So despite him getting a lot of cushion at the line of scrimmage, his average separation was six least in the National Football League. And I actually think his average separation was kind of better than it was last year this year um and he was still six least tough they just didn't use him like they i mean we're not going to get into this offense all but they just did not use him i mean think about some important moments the first eagles game that first touchdown was all golden tate um to get back in that tampa game all golden tate now they were perfect throws and crazy catches but you know what they were they were crazy catches arizona the only game points they scored in that game were because of a golden tate catch um I don't see why they didn't use him more. I get you don't you don't have to give him eighty percent of the snaps, um, but the fact that they just basically threw this guy away. I mean, you can hate him, you can hate the contract, but the fact that they just they threw him away after the Tampa game was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, well, uh, especially going for the playoffs too. If you don't, I mean, the, the thing is, is that if you don't get open, Bobby, I mean, that's but the who thing. are they? But it, who are they replacing him for? Austin Mack, come on now. Had some good moments. One game. He had one good moment, uh, which we'll get to. All right, let, let's just go into Austin Mack. We're, Golden Tate's no longer yeah, he's, on the team. He's done. He's done. Austin Mack, 6'2", 215, undrafted free agent at Ohio State. Had seven catches for 91 yards. Four of those catches and 72 of those yards came in the game that Golden Tate was suspended versus Washington. The rest of his uh, season was three catches for 19 yards. Basically, what I learned from Austin Mack is he – can catch a contested ball underneath. Um, that's basically like if if you can trust him to catch a contested ball, except for um, against Arizona where he dropped the ball on third down. But you can you can trust him to catch those tight 
like third down slants. I would have liked him to I would have liked to see him used more on contested balls down the field. Nah, you got Slayton Shep and Tate on the team. I don't want to be throwing those to Austin Mack. Well, he's the tallest one out of all of them, and that's what he did best in college. That was like the only thing that he did well in college was catching yeah, but he c- wasn't, contested that's balls. That's the thing. He wasn't that good in college. Well, well, that's well. Why my thing is is that if somebody's good at something, why not? Why not have? Why not use him in that? And when this is, you know, you you can talk about it. You know how how good Golden Tate was with contested catches, but oh, you know, even Sterling Shepard caught some contested balls this year. But those, I mean, there there is also a value to height. And Austin Mack is he's a physical, big-bodied guy that I'm sure he, he kind of that doesn't tower over some corners, but he's taller than corners, and I think that has a value to it. Yeah, I mean, if he was 6'4", 6'5", I'd hear your point, but he's 6'2", and Slayton's 6'1", you know? Like, I, I I have no issue with the way they use Austin Mack this year. If there's one guy I have no issue with, it's yeah. Austin, the way they use Austin Mack. No, I mean, he's not he's not that good. So, I mean, the, no. where, where Austin Mack got the majority of his snaps when Jason Garrett would motion him in into the box, by the way. As a wide <laughs> receiver, the Giants would be running with uh, probably... probably a lot of fullback. Yeah, the, Gi- the Giants, yeah. So, basically, they added another man into the box, and Austin Mack is an additional blocker. So, clearly, Joe Judge must have loved him as a blocker, so... Yeah, downfield blocker. Third-year yeah. Letterman would be proud. Uh, now, next... Next and flash on the list, but not least, it's the man whose season it is, who's caught our hearts in the last two games. Dante Pettis, six foot one, 195 pounds. He's 25 years old. Uh, he was claimed after the 49ers cut him after he, he uh, fumbled a kick return. Um, it was a second round pick for the 49ers. Never panned out. His rookie year, he had some numbers, and he just he just never panned out there. Uh, he only played two games. But in those two games, Justin, you have four catches for 76 yards and a big touchdown, 19 yards per catch, 80% catch rate. He's talented. There's no doubt he's talented. Um, we're What we're going to do this offseason, and I'm going to do it too, is we're going to do the Corey Coleman thing. Like, he's got talent. He's using the right way. He did enough for us to do that. Um, I think Dante Pettis should be on the roster to start uh, week one, 2021. As the number five wide receiver, it should be Dante Pettis. You know it's going to be Cody Core and they're going to cut him. But it should be Dante Pettis. And he wears number 13. How about that? Guarantee if he wore number 14. Well, Joe Webb is 14. Guarantee if he wore um 17. No, 17's play. Yeah, even, even 17. Guarantee if he wore 17, nobody would care. No, I would care. He's, it, he's a talent. Dante Pettis is a talent. Like, it had nothing to do with his number. Like, he is He is talented. Um, he's the whole you don't give up on talent. So, like I said, you shouldn't be expecting him to be the you know the the second outside receiver like we did Corey Coleman going into 2019. But I do expect him to be wide receiver five and to get some roles. He has speed. He's able to go up and get the ball. He has traits of a good wide receiver. Doesn't mean he's going to put it together, but he does have those traits. Um, so maybe this coaching staff can get that out of him. And it's I mean it's not the craziest thing in the world for a second round pick to struggle his first stint, go somewhere else, and be productive. Like, that's not like that's not a far-fetched idea. That touchdown catch that he had in, uh, that he had against Dallas Week 17 was kind of impressive. Not the best of throws in the world, and he did a good job adjusting in the air. I thought it was a great throw. It was a good, it was a good throw, but Dante Pettis had to make an adjustment in the middle of the air to get that ball. Caught it with his face. Caught it with his face. Yeah. All right, that's our... 
That's our wide receiver review. Oof. Went a little long with this episode, Oof. but that's what happens in the offseason. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Tuesday. I will be in Alabama. I will be in Alabama. We're going to be streaming a ton on YouTube, so make sure to subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, watch out for you know tweeting. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff. Maybe I'll harass Dave Gellman, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett. We'll see what happens. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the weekend. Until then, let's go Big Blue.